Legal discussion on tip today is brought to you in association with Lynch Solicitors Clan Mel on the web at lynchsolicitors.ie and at divorceinireland.com. John Lynch from Lynch Solicitors joins me. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Fran. Lovely morning this morning. So I believe, John, they don't let me out so very much. But they're uh, not open blind for you, no. <laughs> they won't. Just in case I escape, they won't let me out at yeah, all. No, it's, it's thanks for the God. It feels like... Uh, Makes it a bit easier for everybody, I think. The so, fact that we have a bit of a bit of blue sky and nice a bit of sun as well. That's great. So spring has sprung, as they say. You're going to talk. You're going to talk to us about the family home today and yes, uh, and the case. importance of John. Yeah. Yeah, there was a case. You know, we often talk about the family home and it having special staff. I mean, you often you often hear well, there was a whole line of Supreme Court judgments in the early. I think it was, where, you know, the the home was, you couldn't, a guard couldn't come into the family home unless, etc., that your home was your castle and things mm. like that. It raises all sorts of constitutional issues. But it also raises some very practical issues when you're talking about a situation where if you have two people who, who own um, the family home and what if one of them tries to sell it without the consent of the other and they happen to be married... That was covered by the Family Home Protection Act way back when, 1976, I think it might be. Um, and that was that was a situation that, where, again, the status of the family home was being recognised and you had a situation where you couldn't sell. And it, it added a whole layer to the kind of transactions of selling the, the home that you had to get the consent of the other spouse mm. if that spouse wasn't on the title and things like that. You know? So... It's always kind of had a special place and it's also been kind of looked at differently, if you know what I mean, to other assets that people have. So it came in, it actually came up for discussion in our highest court, the Supreme Court, uh, very recently at the end of last year, December 20th or something last year, it came up for discussion in the Supreme Court. And... Um, Whenever that happens, as I say to you, Franya, if you're in my business, you always have to pay attention when, when uh, you get anything from the Supreme Court mm. because it usually impacts on your day-to-day practice and day-to-day understanding of things. And this was one where he was, I think, 86 and she was 82. And this case had been going on for at least 10 years. And it was 10 years since it had been heard in the High Court. Mm-hmm. And one wonders what happened in the intervening period or why it took so long to get to the Supreme Court. But anyway, that's another story as well as that. And it had to do with uh, something that the husband got involved in. I'm not going to kind of just fling in the, the gaps here on this. Mm. He must have objected to, uh, if anybody uh, is kind of got kids in college uh, in any of the university towns, they'll often try and get accommodation for the kids the kids, I suppose, shouldn't call mm. them kids. The children are adults, young adults, mm. and they put them into these residences. You know, and one of the this whole thing came from an objection by a neighbour, i.e., this particular man, to a development of uh, student residence accommodation that was being built beside him. And funny, I've passed it on quite a number of occasions in Dublin, and it's about. Four stories high, mm. and it, it does overshadow him. But he obviously objected to it, and went along the road of objection. And whether he was successful or not, I don't think he was, because Trinity, 
effectively um, issued proceedings against him for the cost of those proceedings. And so he had to pay for his objection if you know what I mean, because right. he lost. Again, this is something that we often say, you and I, when you're looking at a situation where somebody takes on a case, sometimes people don't realise that if he actually loses, it can be quite an expensive. Absolutely. Uh, so he lost uh, in this case and he had to he pay, pay costs. Yeah, yeah he, he lost and he had to pay costs. He didn't pay the costs until he literally um, got a judgment against him. And having got the judgment against him, then the next thing that you can do, which is to register that judgment against any assets that he owns, mm. so or his interest in any asset that he owns. So what they did was they put the debt on the family home, on his interest in the family home. And this is what this case was about. You know, what, how does it impact on the family home? Is the family home different to other scenarios? Is there a special status in the family home? Well, I and, almost understood from you, John, that there was. Well, yeah, what, yes, there is, and I'll try and... It's probably uh, a little bit more um, or less obvious or more subtle than an obvious, uh, yes, it is in a special position. Mm. Uh, and I'll, I'll try and explain that to you in, in terms of, like, you know the way we often talk about cases, and ultimately, the end of the day, you say to yourself, or rather, you know, lawyers will say to you, well, every case depends on its facts. Mm. And often a court will say, look, look, every case depends on its facts, but we'll give you a couple of kind of pointers as to how we deal with this. And this is what this case was about. You know, what are the pointers and does the fact that it's a family home make a difference? And the answer, if I give you the short answer, the short answer is yes, it does make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but the question is, why does it make a difference? Because... There was a case involving, it was called, it's hard to, to forget it, because it was called Winter Skibbereen, which is great, because you know, when the case is, has a name like that, mm. you kind of remember it. But it was a case involving Hogan Jay, who was, who was now in the European court, and he, he dealt with this issue as to whether or not, and he kind of raised the whole, uh, I'm going to say spectre, but that's the wrong word, but he raised the argument that the family home, by virtue of it, the family by ver- and the family home by kind of association, by virtue of the Constitution and by virtue of the Family Home Protection Act, kind of puts it on an elevated status. Mm. And he raised that one, but didn't give any final answer on it. So if you like, this is the kind of first one that has hit the top court in the land where they had an opportunity to revisit this particular line of thinking mm. that the family home had a special status. So my, my defence to what you're saying that I might have suggested is that it had a special status is this judgment was only handed down December, so I'm giving you the most up-to-date. Right. I, I, I think what, what I was probably referring to was the special status it has where, where bankruptcy is concerned and, and the yes. like, John. Yeah, yeah. Which, which is a different thing, obviously. Correct. Which yeah. Is a comp- yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, the in, and the interesting thing was that in the bankruptcy scenario, uh, it has a special status under legislation. So, in other words, under under uh, precisely that, that mm. if you're dealing with a family home in a bankruptcy situation or in an insolvency situation, the family home actually has been legislated as having a special status, right. and that the whole thrust of the legislation is to try and keep 
the person in the family mm. home. And so you're absolutely right, right. in that. So this is a but different scenario. Yeah. This is a different scenario. And the interesting thing is that that, that that point that you're making was out there. The argument was out there that it should have a special status. Mm. And this is this is a case where what happened, you see, was that from a practical point of view, what they did, what Trinity did, was they registered a judgment mortgage against the family home. So what, what's that when it's, when it's at home? Effectively, if you go out and get a, a loan in the morning from the bank and you you provide collateral by way of your family home, they put a charge or a mortgage on the family home. Anybody who's owed money can do the same kind of thing. They can Anybody to whom you owe money and who gets a judgment against you can also register what they call a judgment mortgage. So it's a mortgage on, on the back of a judgment. So mm. this is what this was. They literally, and the question was, does it have the same status uh, as if you go out and get a, a loan voluntarily and, and by agreement put a mortgage on the family home? And the Supreme Court very definitively said, yes, it is the same. It has the same standing. It's not a, it's not a lesser animal just because they do it unilaterally on their side without your agreement. Mm. So that was the first thing. But what was interesting about it was, I'll bring you to the end of it, which kind of illustrates what happened. Mm. Because at the end of the day, what you had was you had a very elderly couple who had lived in this house in Dublin uh, for the last, let's say, 40 years, raised their family there. They were now in their 80s. They had been, it had been 10 years. They were in their 70s when it was in the High Court. Um, it was now in the Supreme Court. So the very first question that the Supreme Court had to answer was that if they were looking at the High Court judgment, could they make their own judgment on it rather mm. than, you know, just reverse the High Court? And they said they could. They looked at the situation. They said, look, there are a number of factors that you take into account. And one of the key factors that came out of this judgment was that what you look at when you're looking at this situation where, because you see, again, just to double back for a second, what you're looking at here is the same situation as if you and I own property together. Mm. And I said to you, look, I want to sell. And you said, no, I don't. You don't want to sell. What can I do about that? I can issue what we call partition proceedings. So I can go into court and ask for an order for sale. And the, the real question here is, what are the criteria that you use when you're trying to establish whether you give or won't give the order? And that's the real crux of it, because... In the Muinter-Skibbereen case and in this current case, what you had was you had three different players involved. You had, if you like, the lender or the judgment, uh, you know, Trinity, mm-hmm. who, were, who got their judgment. That's player number one. Player number two then is the person against whom they got the judgment, who's the husband who has an interest in the family home. And then you had the third player in the equation, which was the wife. The wife. And yeah. You see, the big thing there was, and the big play there with, with the Winters Kevreen case was, what about if you're an innocent party to all this? Does that matter? So mm. does it matter that the wife, the wife, uh, his wife, mm. had no part in running up this debt? So it's like quite an awful lot of situations that people would be So the, the decision then, John? Yes, yes, the decision, yeah, sorry. The decision then was, they granted the order for sale, but they put a stay on it. So 
they put a stay is something where I get a judgment against you and the court says, yes, uh, we're happy to go with Mr Lynch, we won't go. Uh, and the, the boat were putting a stay on the order. Mm-hmm. So in other words, they're going to put a stop on it or a hold mm-hmm. on it. So what they did here was they put a hold on the order until the death of the last of the couple. So in other words, they left the couple in the house for their lifetime, uh, the, li- the life of both of them. So in other words, if the husband died first, uh, the wife would continue to reside in the family home, and then when she, only when she dies will the, the house be sold. So they put a stay on it until that time. So that effectively meant that they had the right to remain in the house for their lifetime. They right. also... But, yeah. but sorry, sorry, John, but his debt to Trinity will have to be repaid when they die, out, out of... Correct. Out of the sale of the house, his his out of the sale of his interest in the house of and his thing, interest in the house. Yeah, okay. exactly. The thing right. to the, the thing to remember is that they only have uh, they're only entitled to secure their debt on his interest only, not both of their interests. And the other really key thing that came out of this judgment and that is kind of central to it and it has been repeated over and over again in these types of cases mm. is that what the, what the court will take into account is the fact that the other party is an innocent party and in doing that they will ensure they, will, they won't grant an order and this has happened on a number of cases over the years, they will not grant an order if the end result will be that the person who is an innocent party to it is going to be homeless or doesn't have position for right. get and, and Would that not lead to a challenge when when the, both people pass away and you know whoever is the recipient of the house, you know the, the the sons or the daughters or whatever, would they not be entitled to challenge that to Trinity and say, well, hold on a moment, now it was my father that 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 you know? No, 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 no. And that's interesting because funny somebody else asked a question there uh, by email there to me yesterday which was along similar lines you know if I get a gift in a will for example and let's say I leave you something because, uh, uh, but let's say I leave you my car mm-hmm. that, that would do nicely actually thank you <laughs> if, I, if I do that and you get it and you suddenly find that there's a HP agreement on it the question is can you turn up and say hold up a second here now I got the car I didn't get the HP agreement the answer is you get the HP agreement because it attaches to the asset, not to the individual. So likewise here, the charge or the debt or the order attaches to the property, not to the individual. Very good. And the amount owed, I mean, say hopefully these people will live another 10 years or more. Will there be an interest situation on that as well? There's usually court interest on any debt. So what you have is you have a situation. Now, the other thing that they did, which, again, was from a from a kind of a practical point of view, was, was quite interesting. And that was this, that there were two assets involved. They had a holiday home in Donegal. Now, this is all public knowledge, so I don't know. Mm. I'm out of school. But there was a holiday home in Donegal. And because of one of the vagaries of law, they couldn't get a well charging. They couldn't get an order for sale on the holiday home in Donegal because of the fact that it was registered and non-registered property. I can't remember which. Mm. But they, for technical reasons, they couldn't get that order. 
and which has changed since the new conveyancing law. But now you can on both. It, it's, it was kind of a loophole right. that's been closed down. But technically, they couldn't get an order for sale. But what the Supreme Court did was, even though they couldn't technically get an order for sale, the Supreme Court, and this is something often see courts doing, the Supreme Court said, we're going to make an order for sale on the family home, but we're going to make a condition. Here are the conditions. Condition one, the Donegal property must be sold. And in doing that, then, you see, they drew in, uh, because what they were saying was that you have to be, and this is something that we often, uh, as lawyers, try not to do, is to look at it simply from one side. Mm. What the court was saying is, we have to look at it from both sides. You've got Trinity on one side, you've got uh, you've got the innocent party on the other side, and then, uh, well, if you're going to go sides here, one side you've got the person who owes the money, the other side you've got the person who to whom the money is owed, and then you've got the innocent part sitting mm. on the outside there somewhere. So they said that if you're going to balance all of those together, we're going to order the sale of the Donegal property. And both, both we're going to credit the wife with the value of her interest in the Donegal property against the debt to on the family home. So right. she gets credit for that. She, she, she's though, the innocent party here, of exactly, course. Yeah. Even though technically she didn't have... You know, technically they couldn't Give an order for sale. Right. Just, just be, before I finish up, I suppose the cautionary tale about this, and you keep warning people, really, John, oh. is that, you know, be careful what you take on. You could lose. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You could. You could. And I mean, yes, exactly. And, and the cautionary tale is that what it says in the judgment is that everything is fact dependent. But when you're looking at fact dependent, you have to look at law dependent as well. So, in other words, you've got to, if you like, you know, kind of, I don't know how you'd say it, but counterbalance, you're looking at the facts with the law. And if you don't counterbalance those two, you're going to end up with a situation where your interpretation of the facts is going to be skewed. So the reality of it is that what a Supreme Court judgment does, like that does for you, is Mm. the judge set out five points, I haven't given you all of them, but sets out five considerations that you're supposed to take into account. So the reality of it is that you know, we are, I was a good friend of mine used to say to me, he says, John, you're very persuasive, but that doesn't mean you're right. And, <laughs> and, and the thing about it is that, you know, you could be looking at the facts thinking that you want it to go a certain way and then using both the facts and the law to get the result. But at the end of the day, the court was very emphatic about the fact that there are three equations there are three parts of the equation and you must take all of them into account. All right. John, always a pleasure. Thank you for your time today. That's John Lynch there of Lynch Solicitors in Clonmel. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery's Garage.ie